cool beans beans cool beans cool beans beans cool beans i cannot beatbox to save my life cool beans that's the sample before the drop is the i cannot beatbox to save my life Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that is special guesting Bob the Dropmaster. Give it up for Bob the Dropmaster. He's here today in studio with... What? He's not here? Okay, well, we have our special guest, Jared Sheldon. Jared, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, Stephen. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Um, there actually are people that live on Palau. Okay. But it's just Bob the Drop Master. Ah, well... That's his own private island. It's a shame because he didn't show up to this recording session. I know. That's the... You know what? That's the guest star we need. Yeah, it's Bob the Drop Master. Audience, get to work on it. Get us Bob the Drop Master. Find Bob the Drop Master. Get him here. (laughs) He should honestly also be a DJ. Because being able to call yourself the Drop Master as a DJ, fucking sick. Pretty sick. Pretty sick. How was your week, Ben Steven? Uh, it is good. Jared, my thighs hurt. I'm so afraid of where this is going. <laughs> I am training for a marathon. Oh, that's right. You're an idiot. I am an idiot. I'm aware. I all right, so we I've been doing like running. I've been starting to build up the strength to do that in the endurance. And like I've done three mile runs, four mile runs, two mile runs. And then one mile runs. Oh, yeah. Maybe even some half mile runs. This is the first week where I'm actually in the training program. So I'm following what it's telling me to do. And it was a three mile run, a five mile run, a three mile run. And then Saturday, I did an eight mile run. Jesus Christ. I don't even like driving eight miles. It was fine. It was cold as fuck in Chicago. And the problem is in Chicago, there's great running paths but they're very exposed. Yeah. And that wind coming off the lake. Mm. I will say, uh, hi, very local uh, Chicago knowledge Ooh. for this Survivor podcast. Uh, the the bike trail, uh, which is it's technically a street, but uh, Greenleaf, that is uh, that road is blocked off by buildings, but cars don't usually take it because it has a dedicated bike lane and speed bumps. So that is, you could definitely run in the bike lane there and be fine. Nice. And you won't be exposed to the wind from the lake. My my biggest problem was finding both ways to weave in between, because the wind was swirling, so it felt like no matter where I was, it was hitting me in the face, Sure, which sucks. So I was like weaving in and out, and then when traffic lights would stop me, I'd just like go in a different direction. So Oh, okay. I, I was trying not to stop as much as possible. Right. That makes sense. But yeah. And I was actually fine because I did it Saturday and then Sunday was a day of rest. And then today I had a three mile run. And when did you, wait? No, I was in your apartment after you got out of work before you were. Uh-huh. When did you do this? This morning. You did it before you went to your job? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jared, I work out before work because I do not have the motivation to finish work, go downstairs, and then 
do a workout. What time do you wake up in the morning? <laughs> Six o'clock. Oh, that's not terrible. No, okay. it's not bad. It's not great. No, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Zero out of ten. But I would work out many more times in the morning than I would after work. Yeah, I need to be better at working out after work. How are you? How was your week? <laughs> I had a great week. The company I had in town, uh, we, we had a great time. Um, I got to cast the show uh, for Black Cat Theater. Nice. So we have our cast. We'll be announcing it soon on our Instagram page. And it was good and rejuvenating and vacations are great. And I'm happy to be back here and recording. And D&D was a bit of a mess yesterday. <laughs> Why was it a mess? It's almost like I bluffed our players too hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. There's a little bit of that. Long story short, uh, there was a guy that they're supposed to get some information from or take hostage or they have a lot of different ways they could deal with the problem but he is he is leverage basically or can be used as leverage against somebody else and uh one player the only player that wanted to talk to him failed a couple of roles and then i role played it in a way that made them think that he was a massive badass when actually he's a little bitch so that was fun <laughs> the life of a dm must be hard oh it's great it's so much fun yeah, I believe I love that. it. Yeah, it's like you're just pivoting based on what your players give you. We had one of the players uh, come to me yesterday before we played and be like, "I got you a snack. Please be nice to me. Please be <laughs> nice to us at the session today." And I was like, "That's not my choice. I can't I, do it. I I draw the logical conclusions of your actions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There are things happening in the background, but I." It's world. It's the world. You yeah. are in the world. You it, you will live or die by your choices. <laughs> you build world. We live in world. Yeah. Yeah. So like, t so I'll eat the snack. But if you if you fuck up and give the cursed gold to the orphanage, it's gonna get burned to the ground. That's just what happens. I was not a part of that situation. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I did kidnap somebody. So there's that. Yeah. Stephen broke bad. I did. <laughs> Speaking of Breaking Bad, emails. If you want to email us, feel free to do so. SurviveTBT at gmail.com, or you can message us on Reddit, u slash SurvivorTBT, or on X at SurvivorTBT. Got them all. Got them all. Got them all. First email from Josh. Josh says, as Survivor starting this season will have more physical challenges, I'd like to ask initially if you think that is a good or bad thing from the show. Recently, Big Brother has come under the heat for making its challenges too physical and not fair for non-muscular people to win. So this thought has been in my brain. As a side note, whenever someone says the non-physical people would be more likely to win, the modern version of Big Brother is a clear sign they're not watching it. Hmm. I need to see how it plays out. Because right now, my instinct is that physical challenges are fun. Mm -hmm. I also think that how physical really matters I think the best challenge that we've had this season thus far through seven episodes is the uh, walking around the rope challenge. You don't have to have a, a fuck ton of muscle to pull that off. Nope. You have to have endurance and cardio. That's just a different type of strength. Also, the Karor tribe is not as strong objectively as the beginning Oolong tribe. Like, if you... If you Remove the muscle from their bodies. First of all, don't do that. That would be horrifying. Ouchies. And then weight it. I guarantee you the Oolong tribe has more muscle. Yeah. But team cohesion and all these other things come into effect. In that way, 
I like the physical challenges. I mean, even with the three people right now, Bobby John, Stephanie, and Ibrahim, that's probably still better than most of the uh, Karor tribe. True, yeah. Uh, maybe all of them. Except I, for some reason, Tom's just built different. Tom, Tom is built different. This challenge is not a physical challenge, as we see. Neither of them were. My concern with that is twofold. Perception. So players being like, oh, these will be strength-based challenges. Ergo, get rid of anyone who's not strong, even if that doesn't actually help them win. Mm-hmm. And injuries. I Maybe I'm overthinking it, but like we talked about the, the one where they were like fighting in the water for those, and you said that they have a future one coming on land. Mm-hmm. I it's no secret that Stephen and I love football. Football. But we also are keenly aware of what football does to people's bodies. Oh, correct. You are just describing unpadded football with that challenge. Yes. A really unpadded rugby. Mm-hmm. That that could cause issues. And I don't think Survivor is supposed to be a physical game first. I think it that's like somewhere between second through fifth. Like, I think the social game should be more important. You're not fist-fighting people to stay around. You're voting. Yeah. So I don't want it to become so important that it is the only focus. Otherwise, I'd go watch the challenge. But I like the challenges in Palau better than most of the other seasons thus far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let me let me diffuse one of your points a little bit in that when I say on land, they're doing it in sand. Okay. So, like... It's not as brutal as I make it sound. I just have a feeling that Survivor's going to see how far they can push the envelope with these physical challenges. Correct. And then have to walk it back when something bad happens. (laughs) Or Uh, several bad things happen. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. This is my Australian Survivor brain speaking, but I really wish we got to see how the matchups were determined. If they were not random, the optimal strategy is not put your strongest players up to compete against each uh, the other team's strongest players, but to go for guaranteed points instead. Yeah, for, I agree. For instance, if you know James is a weak link in challenges, have him go against Tom to take the loss and have Bobby John take the guaranteed points against Kobe. Yeah, I mean, but then you have to figure out which team decides if it's because like they could be like, no, we want Tom to go up against. Mm-hmm. This person, maybe it's maybe you set your order blindly. Yeah, you. St- I'm sure you can still game theory it though. Yeah, if you don't immediately put your strongest person out, you can probably game it a little bit. I also don't think it's the worst idea the way that Oolong did it. Like it's execution more than process in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like sure, Tom's really strong, but Bobby John is a competitor, oh. and Bobby John wants to beat him, and Bobby John thinks he he can beat him. He can't, but I like I want to. I want him to try. And that kind of gets a wrench thrown in it when uh, Ibrahim is your second strongest and loses a round. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Moving on to Carl's email. Carl's episode four email. Yeah, Vanuatu isn't as hated as it once was, but I personally think it's still criminally underrated. Also, y'all were talking about the guy who was shaking all the tribe shelters. That was Rafa. Rafa from All Stars. Rafa, yes. My boy Rafa. Picture the episode is worth a thousand words. It is Stephanie. Just defeated. defeated. Yeah. Unbelievably defeated. And uh, <laughs> no, 
Carl, why would you do this to me? All right, I'm going to just show the picture. The Willard! <laughs> it's the Immunity Willard, right? It's, yeah, next yep. To Willard. And boy, it's a little uncanny. <laughs> it's really uncanny. If you haven't done it yet, go and look at the picture side by side. It is, it's wild. I hate that it's that way. <laughs> what if they knew that during the season? Like if the contestants joked about that? I think they did. I, I think that's so. where audiences got that. Nice. Note, there's not many people in Palau, but it's an independent country, so there's definitely at least a couple of people. Oh, interesting. Okay. If, Again, I don't look these things up because like, if the country's too small, I will get survivor spoilers. <laughs> correct. If Kim really wasn't taking her contacts out at night, it's a good thing she went home early because 30 days of that could have seriously fucked up her eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, recently learned that someone I care about in my life uh, wears contacts and never just will sleep in them. No. Shower in them. Um, no. That's what I said. Ouch. And yeah. Yep. They don't wear them all the time, but I was like, you need to stop doing that. And they said, but I, but nothing bad's happened. And I yeah. said, that doesn't mean it won't. Once I, I used to wear contacts in like middle school, early high school. And then I slept in them. Like I fell asleep studying or something. And one of them like disappeared. Fuck that. It's either in my body floating around somewhere or it, it fell probably, out. It probably fell out. It probably fell out. But man, I was poking at my eye for a long time yeah. trying to find it. <laughs> I can't decide whether I find Kim's ineptitude and lack of self-awareness funny or just infuriating. It would be funny on a better tribe. On this <laughs> season, it's just kind of sad. Like she sits around and talks about how dumb everyone is while she does literally nothing. And then a tribal council complains about how the guys are holding them back. When she lost to fucking Janu. Yeah. She's like Sarah from Marquesas, but more catty and hooking up with a probable racist instead of Boston Rob. Yeah, yeah. And somebody who goes home before her because of an injury. Yeah. Things I like. Bobby John trying to move an entire tree by himself, grunting so loud everyone on the beach can hear him. And then instead of asking for help, decidedly uh, deciding to simply chop another tree down. <laughs> That was a funny move, and I can't believe we didn't talk about that. That Bobby John cut down a tree, the tree gets stuck, and Bobby can't move it. That, so that's true. Like, well, I guess I gotta go chop down another tree. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I forgot about that. James asked to ground measurement when building the shelter. He asked what? It says asked to ground. Oh, asked to ground. Yes, okay. I don't brush my teeth because I'm a redneck. Concern. Yeah, that's... Mm. She'll drink a coconut, but that's about the most she'll do. Like, that's all the physical exertion Kim will do is just, like, taking a coconut up to her mouth. Yep. Ah, James. God, if he he wasn't so problematic, I really want your (laughs) charitable interpretation of his homophobic comments to be accurate, but who knows... Yeah. yeah, we try the we try our best to paint in a good light. But I, mean, I, I try to I, I try to just however it hits my gut is and like thinking about it afterwards and analyzing it is how I give it. I don't try to I don't try to bail people out. I don't try to to, to bury them either. Uh, <laughs> I I just try to break it down. Listen, I don't know. I'm trying to give Survivor contestants an out. Sometimes they don't take it. There. <laughs> We're not going back to immunity. Of course, is iconic. Yeah. We're not going back to immunity. I mean, tribal council. 
Angie is probably going to be in my mind for a while as a great contestant that got completely fucked over. Yeah. Yeah. And then compliments to Steven. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Good job, Steven. Good job, Steven. I, there was more said, but I, I, I know you, I, yeah. yeah. Spoilers. Let's do one more. I want to save some for the future since we ran out last time. I don't think we're going to have to stockpile a bunch again this season, but we'll see. That's fair. How many do I have left then? Yeah, I'll save a couple. Uh, From Connor. Connor, happy you guys are enjoying this season as much as I did when I watched it live at age 12 and through various rewatches. First, I have the secret recipe for the beef stew recipe that was a reward in episode five. So Connor has to work for CBS, right? <laughs> I have a lot of questions, and that's pretty great. Was so was very so kindly provided by me from a member of Karor. Yeah, okay. If you guys want it, let me know. Yes. Yes, maybe that could be our bonus episode, Cooking with Steven and Jared. Chaos. That would be absolute chaos, but it is Survivor adjacent. Sure. <laughs> I made it, and it's great. We'll make for a great dinner snack if we get one more snowstorm this year. My question for the episode is, what do you think Angie could have done differently to avoid being voted out here? Nothing. <laughs> I, like, Angie goes home, and it's not her fault. It, she gets she gets screwed so many times. Mm-hmm. She gets put on the tribe that she doesn't want to be on. She makes a, or she gets she ends up on the wrong side of a gender split because Kim is fucking useless. Mm-hmm. She then like makes it so or she's part of what makes it not gender split because she's pulling her weight and kicking ass at the challenges. And then a a poorly thought out twist from Survivor makes her the target. Like the only thing she could have done differently was predict that Survivor was going to have Karor give somebody immunity and make a pitch for it, I guess. Yeah. I'm part of me wishes that like they had more time to really make a pitch between either when Ibrahim gets the immunity and they vote or after the tie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, they should let them do arguments after the tie. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of shitty. Especially in that situation. Like, yeah. I get it that you don't necessarily want them to talk, but... No, I think you absolutely should let them talk. They didn't really get the chance to talk in just a normal situation, so... Yeah, I, like, yeah. have them each give a pitch on why they should stick around through the tie and go from there. But, yeah, I don't I don't think there's anything Angie could have done differently. And I, I it's it's pretty rare I say that. Like, there's there usually is something I think somebody could have done differently, even if it's in hindsight, but there's just nothing here. Like, don't get put on the tribe that loses eight immunities in a row, I guess. Yeah, try not to suck next time. Because, well, it's also like Angie's not the reason they lost these challenges. No, not at all. So I can't even say, like, oh, like, perform better in the challenges because that's not what did it. Like, maybe, like, if you can, like, be the leader of the tribe. But I don't think that was ever going to happen. I don't think it was going to go well. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, goes on to say, I feel for her because I think her hands were tied after the revote. Yeah. I feel like she was at least third in the Oolong tribe behind Bobby, John, and Steph. The only thing I can think was for her and Steph to go after James with the help of Bobby, John. Also, respect to Angie and may she rest in peace. I think yeah. she was on a tribe with just a, a bit better luck and organization. She would have made it to 
mid-merge portion or early jury at least. Yeah, like she's straight up, it would be a possible winner pick for me in a different season. I, Imagine her on Vanuatu. Mm. Like, I, you think Chris gets past Angie in Vanuatu? I don't necessarily think so. I I don't know. I yeah. don't know how to how to predict that. I, I it's too many variables, but yeah. Yeah. I do think Angie would be uh on the side of girl power. Get rid of that ass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She'd probably take the Julie spot and would not be manipulated as easily. <laughs> I think Karor is one of a kind and dare I say the best tribe in Survivor history, possibly. They're definitely the best tribe through the first ten seasons. That's that is true. To me, Angie is one of the best pre-merge contestants, and it's unfortunate she was never given a second chance. Yeah. Although I heard she was considered for a future season. Oh, okay. General thoughts about everything? Do you have any any more? No, you, I think I'm pretty hashed. You kind of said it throughout the the email, so yeah. I, I think that's good too. And I think, boy, you're witnessing some history here in these episodes. Yeah. Not only is Karor maybe the best tribe we've seen, uh, Oolong is the worst and i don't think that oolong is the worst because karor is the best mm. it takes a lot to lose this many immunity challenges it does it takes a lot that is incomprehensible part of me is like yeah it, but it piles on when you lose and then you start losing food challenges and then by you start sheer losing yeah you're right they have so many advantages with how many they've won and how comfortable their camp life is and all these it is cascading failures for mm-hmm. long but by sheer luck some of these early to mid ones should have gone their way at least once like the early challenges this this episode notwithstanding a lot of the immunity challenges have been fairly close and then, like, one thing happens, and they can't recover. Yep. It, wow. <laughs> I lied. I'm going to do one more email, because this one's a little shorter. Uh, from Josh. The little roar they do is their team chant, the Karor Roar. I hate that. I kind of dig it. Apparently, the entire Palau cast has lost contact with Willard to the point that Karen hired a private investigator to find him. Iconic. The PI still could not find him. This is all according to Katie anyway. I'm not sure how much I believe it, but it's a fun story. Fucking iconic. I... Man goes on Survivor, realizes he hates it, chooses to go home at the first vote, never heard from again, refuses to elaborate. <laughs> That's kind of badass. Yep. This was more for episode four, but they do mess around with what day events happen according to the edit. There's one big slip up later in the season that I'll bring up if I remember to. Yeah. So this season is ripe for messing around order in episodes because Karor doesn't lose anyone for a long stretch of time. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So you could put a shot of camp life pretty much anywhere in the first eight episodes. You can can put anything pre-Willard in. In any of those episodes, and Correct. then anything post Willard in any of those episodes. Correct. There's a lot of shenanigans in there. Yeah, I didn't even think about that because, like, they can't do that for Oolong. No, not at all. Wow. Yeah, and I think that's a good place to stop. There's a couple more, but I want to save those. Shall we move on? How would you do that, Stephen? Bumpa.
All right. So this episode came out on March 31st of 2005. A few things happened in the week between episodes. In fact, I would say a few uh, historic for TV things happened. Oh? Three separate shows. U.S. version of The Office premieres. Oh, wow. Doctor Who returns to BBC TV after 16 years. Hot damn. And Grey's Anatomy debuts. Whoa. All in one fucking week. That's crazy. Okay. Jared. Yes. I'm choosing this moment. Uh, fuck, Mary kill. Those three? Yeah. Killing Grey's Anatomy. Okay. F- fucking The Office. Sure. Marrying Doctor Who. All right. I've actually only ever seen a couple episodes of Doctor Who, but I know I would like it. It's just one of those things that, like, it's so far down my list of things I need to catch up on that mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. And The Office, I have really fond memories of. But okay. I, I tried to watch some episodes, and I went, uh... that, yeah. yeah. I, I never got hooked into The Office. It was, It's the kind of humor that just makes me uncomfortable and isn't funny to me. But I see why it's funny to other people. It's yeah. just my life. Well, like the episode that they uh, that they leave Pam behind while they all go to Hawaii and don't invite her. Jared. What? <laughs> Move on. Okay. <laughs> uh, the top five movies are The Pacifier, Mis- Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Dangerous. Oh, I think that's what that's called. It, it cut off there. Armed and something. Yeah, that sounds right. Armed and fabulous, I think. That's probably right. Guess who? Robots and number one, Beauty Shop. Are you familiar with Beauty Shop, Stephen? I don't know this movie at all. Is this like a sequel to Barbershop? Maybe? It it might be related. Okay. I'm going to read the movie info real quick. Far From Chicago. I think it's a spinoff. Far from Chicago, hairdresser Gina Norris, Queen Latifah, has relocated to Atlanta with her daughter, Paige Hurd, and has quickly established herself as a rare talent in her profession. But after repeatedly butting heads with her shady, over-the-top boss, Horde, George, it's George (laughs) with a J. Jorge? It's Jorge. (laughs) Well, Kevin Bacon. Norris, that's why I was like, I don't think it's supposed to be Jorge. I think it's just George. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Norris sets out to create her own salon, even snagging a few of George's, or Jorge's, employees and clients, including Lynn, Alicia Silverstone, and Terry, Andy McDowell, respectively. Now, George will do anything to shut her down. What do you think this is uh, reviewed as, Stephen? I don't think this is very good. I'm going to go with a critic score of 32, audience score of 41. Okay, you're pretty close on the critic score. Okay. 38. Okay. Audience score of 62. Wow. Which, we had a similar conversation with Barbershop. Yeah. Which is like, we are not the target audience of those movies. Correct. We have not seen them. I can't... There is a generous and a not generous answer for those splits. The generous one is, it's a cult classic. Audiences like it more than critics. Non-generous one is, critics are white. This is a movie aimed at black audiences. Maybe I'm, it's actually good. Yeah, that's fair. I'm sorry to keep bumping us off track, but have you seen the discourse about Madam Web? I've heard it's awful. I've heard it's one of the worst movies in a long time. So when are we watching it? <laughs> I don't know that I want to pay to watch oh, it. Oh, no, no, no. We won't pay to watch it. Okay. I I watched Morbius. Oh, Oh, it's a Sony movie. Yeah, and actually one of the interviews came out, and I don't know if this is true, it's a rumor, but 
the reason stars keep like big Hollywood stars keep signing on to Sony's movies is because they think that they are Marvel movies. <laughs> because Madam Web is a Marvel character. Yeah. And they're like, oh, cool. I'm going to be in the MCU, be good for my career, resume, whatever. And then they go to the premiere and realize it's a fucking Sony movie. Mm-hmm. And the main actress, whose names I forget, she fired D- her agent. Dakota Johnson. Yes. The the one from uh Maybe not her. One of the one of the main actors on it fired her agent. Sydney Sweeney? As, yes, Sydney Sweeney. As soon as it came out. I don't blame you. Yeah. It's it's one of those movies that coming up and watching people talk about this movie, like the people who are in the movie, they don't want to be associated with this movie. Yeah. And they have to be associated with the movie. Legally. I'm assuming everyone knew that this was a dumpster fire and couldn't find a way out. It, it's it can be hard to tell on set sometimes because you're so disjointed scene to scene. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the final product's gonna look like. But once they saw the screenings, they knew. Yeah, yeah. Oopsies. So yeah, it, whenever that comes to a streaming service, we'll watch it or sooner. Anyway, let's move on to the episode. Episode seven. I wrote down 11. That's not right. That's not right. (laughs) Episode 7, The Great White Shark Hunter. Now, thoughts about this episode title? It's fine. The only other title they could make is Oolong Keeps Losing Real Bad. Yeah. Can we... Hold on. I want to break down this title a little further because I think it's really funny. What is the descriptive word in this, like, the descriptive part of this title? Are you going to point out that it's a, it's not a great white shark, but Tom hunted it and he's it, white? He's the, he's the great white <laughs> shark hunter. <laughs> yeah, it's very much not a great white shark. No, it's it's a little baby um, tiger shark? No, I don't know, man. Uh, doesn't matter. My no. friend works in an aquarium, not me. <laughs> Actually, oh, I keep, friend of the show, Jess, works at an aquarium, not me. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, we... <laughs> We hang out with distressed Oolong in a cave. I long to be Stephanie's level of delusional. <laughs> Go on. While she tries to talk the camp into like, yeah, there's only three of us. There's eight of them. Yeah. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> Who knows? Certainly things have to turn around, right? No, they don't. <laughs> Actually, you have to do something to make them turn around. Hey, Jared, the best finish and we are going to finish. And we keep going on to, I'm embarrassed. Everything happens for a reason. It, we're just spinning in circles around this idea of we're terrible. We know we're terrible. And hey, hey, Steven. Yeah. How many people are left on Oolong? Uh, at the start of this, episode, start of this episode, three. Okay. Uh, when was the first alliance made? <laughs> like five episodes in. Last episode. Ah. Between Bobby, John, and Steph. Sure. They got down to four people with nobody making an alliance. It's pretty wild, isn't it? F- fucking uh, the other tribe, the losing tribe in Borneo, made, like had an alliance before there was... <laughs> w- when there was still more than four of them left. And that was the season where the thesis statement was, can we make alliances? Is that allowed? Is that a crime? And they were like, we're going to go ahead and match the crime, maybe. And Oolong still didn't have one until there was four fucking people 
10 seasons into Survivor. <laughs> hey, you know what else is important with things like alliances? You care about the people that are, like, you, you need them. You need them to get further in the game, not just survive. If you have an alliance of five people, you want to make sure you are even more motivated to make sure that you keep at least five fucking people into the merge. <laughs> but if you're looking out for only yourself, you just got to make sure you get to the merge. I haven't seen you this hyped up about Survivor in a long time. It, these people are pathetic. <laughs> and then we kind of talk a little bit about just tribe dynamics and that they are bonding a lot through this trauma bond. It's literally a trauma bond. Eve's like, I have you have you ever spent this much time with people? And Steph's like, no, not even my boyfriend. Like, this is a lot, and this is too much, and I would like to not be around these people. Yeah. Also, where are they now? Like, it seems like they moved their camp, because now they're, like, by the cave mm-hmm. instead of out at the shore? They have 100% moved to just living in the cave. Which, that's kind of smart. You probably should have done that sooner. Yeah. I, I've essentially... They've essentially given up their camp on the beach you could just stop that sentence after they've essentially, <laughs> they've given, essentially up. given up yeah at Karor, tom's doing crunches tom's just showing us that he is a beast tom is built fucking different man that he's just out there and like mind you this tribe is incredibly well fed mm-hmm. we haven't really seen a tribe be this well fed since pearl islands yeah and probably only pearl islands yeah so I guess he has more calories in a system to do stuff like this. But you are working out on Survivor? The show where people waste away? Mm-hmm. And you're like, nah, crunches. And what's wild is that from a fishing standpoint, this isn't a great fishing place. Like the fish are pretty small. They're kind of scattered quite a bit. Yeah. But they're finding ways to make it work. And it shows here when Ian brings a giant clam. Yeah, if I if somehow I ever made it on Survivor, it's someone. Listen, if you want to donate me your pancreas, I will take it. <laughs> <laughs> if if somehow that happened and I was able to be on Survivor, I would be. I would demand to have a dolphin trainer on my team. <laughs> Give me the dolphin trainer. Bring in the dolphin trainer. I need him. Yeah, he goes and he gets a giant clam, and it like feeds the entire camp twice over he is to ian is to the ocean what sandra is to the village in panama (laughs) i'm stealing all of its resources he speaks the language ah nice and ian's feeling real good about himself he's like look at me i'm the provider for about 10 minutes and then (laughs) tom comes in and Hits a machete or hits a shark with a machete, which we don't see. Which we don't see, and I. So he threw it or he chopped it. He chopped it. Okay. Because apparently the the giant clam, like the blood from he, that, lured in the shark, and he was like, "Oh, I gotta go do this now." Which so also, he, like Ian, then is also necessary to bring in the shark. Yeah. You can't feel too bad about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But we just see a moment of. Tom sprints off in a direction. Everybody else follows and is like, no, you didn't. You chopped a shark. Tom is only the good parts, at least as far as I know, of Redacted. Oh, sure, sure, sure. He's the leader. He's an amazing hunter. Yep. He catches things he has no business dealing with. Correct. But then he's not a psychopath and rubs blood rubs the blood all over his face uh he doesn't try to kiss fire or children so oh. 
At least as far as I know. <laughs> the description there is very bleak. Um, yeah, Ian to the point he's like, I guess for me to have to one up this, I have to get a humpback whale or something. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. They're just vibing. They're just vibing. And then Kobe sitting over to the side is like, Greg and I looked at each other and we realize now that it's has suddenly become much more difficult to vote out Tom because people don't want Tom to leave. I think that's fair. It's also kind of like you weren't planning on voting him out until like the final, like what, six, mm-hmm. five. I don't remember what the number breakdown is there. It's fine. Like at that point in the game, people are, people are smelling the million dollars. I think this won't be as big of a deal. I say go for the head at this point. He's getting too big for his britches. Go for the head. Like now? like Or like not now. Uh, they, not now. Because they just can't lose a fucking immunity challenge. But, but like if in their game plan, what they've said is that they're cutting what? Who are they getting rid of first? Katie? No, it was it was Karen. Yeah, I think it was Karen. They cut Karen and then they make their move. I thought they had to cut one other person. I think it was Willard then Karen. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. And then they make their move. I think you cut Karen and then you cut Tom. But then you don't have the numbers if Karen decides to side with the Tom with uh, take Tom's place. Sure. I mean, if you want to do it beforehand, fine, but No, no, but I mean it's like if you don't cut Karen first, Karen can step into Tom's spot and then you still don't have the numbers. Right. It'd be a tie. Right. I think. Okay, that's why you get rid of Karen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's why you can't cuz you have 8 right now. The four would be Ian, Katie, Karen. Oh, maybe it would only be three. Could be Colby, Janu. The way they're Greg, proposing Jen. it. Yeah. 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 You could cut Tom first. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Anyway, <laughs> it's the signal challenge. I fucking get rid of it. I agree. It's a get challenge. Get rid of this challenge. Yeah. So, especially like, okay, Oolong, you're terrible at the game. Sorry, Sorry, I should that... say the SOS challenge, yes, as SOS we've dubbed challenge. it before. Oolong, you're terrible. But also, like, to have two challenges that are decided in the air, and the stuff is dropped, and you have to wait to find out whether you won or lost when you are constantly losing, uh, that fucking sucks. Yeah. And they... That's just <sighs> stacking the mental damage. And I feel bad, because this wasn't, like, a huge sweep. Like, one wasn't bounds in a way better than the other they made one big mistake which was just not putting it closer to the water not putting it in the most visible spot yeah tough tough challenge and for them they have to do it like the oolong tribe you participate you got to do it yeah and karor gets to choose and they choose greg karen and katie the idea being that katie is the arts person and can kind of help us through this their division of labor is amazing mm-hmm. it helps you have this many bodies yep but that yeah okay we have an art challenge katie you're up uh and oh karen can karen's not great at the challenges but she can help with like some of the fine detail work here and greg can lug the materials to a better spot on the beach where it will be more visible amazing it was great it was a good time and <laughs> it is funny watching tom like i want to help I want to do something. Yeah. I can't do things. It feels like they're they're doing a little foreshadowing of like Tom is going to do too much and that's why he won't win. 
like the crunches on the beach, mm. the shark. We're very happy about, but like it's a it's a Ian being like, ah, well, I'm not. I now I'm not the provider and wanting to help with this. Like that's three data points in one episode of Tom's Tom chill doing so much. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Was there anything you want to pull out of the SOS challenge? Long destroyed their fucking bathroom. <laughs> yeah, they have so far distanced themselves from this original shelter that they're like, fuck the fuck the bathroom. Fuck all of this. And they still lost. And they still lost. They destroyed the one nice thing they had, and they still lost. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, so... Karor... Oh, and Greg can't light a fire. Yeah, despite Karor not being able to get things on fire in time, and that was just poor time management, really. Yeah. They still win, again, because they were closer to the shoreline. Yep. And the reward is MREs, which is so funny. Because, like, it's... it's. I mean, listen, you're on Survivor. You're going to take what you can get. But I have... I... I my mom's fiancé is... Or was in the National Guard. He was deployed. The... I've heard... I listened to a, a podcast that's... Uh, Lines Like My Donkeys plugged here before. Um... Nobody who's who I've heard of that's in the military speaks highly of MREs. It have you ever had one? No, I have. It goes from from what I've heard from them. The scale is basically um, fine, edible, and fine down to will give you instant diarrhea. <laughs> that's the scale. So, like, it's certainly not a luxurious reward, but no. you're on Survivor, and they give them a bottle of wine. Yeah, but I feel like that for Oolong would have been such a step up because they haven't really, they've been eating coconut. Oh, yeah. No, for this, for for Karor, this means nothing. Yes. For Oolong, this means everything. This means everything. And they celebrate a lot when they get one fish that's big enough for them to eat and to share. Yeah. And, and another clam. And another clam. Or, or, or sorry, both tribes got a giant clam. Yep. Which, that looked like it's a lot of meat. It's a lot of meat. It's enough to feed an entire tribe. Yes. Especially when it's only three people. Correct. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. There's a little bit of fallout. Bobby John's like, they must have worked harder or smarter knowing them. It's smarter. It Your is. tribe's trying to work harder, and they have been working smarter than you all season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's literally all we get from Oolong from the fallout. And then Karor happens, where this is the, ah, uh, not all is well in paradise, where Greg and Jen are being talked about by other people. Kobe's like, they're the makeout bandits. Yeah. And I, I don't care as long as they take me. Fair. <laughs> also, I want to say, going back to All Stars, where it was, well, you got water, but you got to boil it because there's brain-eating parasites, too. Hey, there's the watering hole. Just go put your canteen in it. Mm-hmm. Much better. Much better. I don't want to see people just laying around dehydrated. Yes. I, they, you need water to perform, and we want to see people perform. Yes. I agree, and I, I don't think... Like, food, yes, you can last a while on no food, and the... The symptoms are going to be much easier to fix, or there's much more that you can find to alleviate the problem. Water, you're going to lose water very fast. I think the diff, yes, all of that. And you're making them physically compete. Oh, yes, and that too. 
I think part of the difference is too, like food, you have multiple avenues to go at it from. Mm-hmm. You you can just starve for a few days and you're right. You can be totally fine. You can, I mean, you'd be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but even in a physical challenge, like you can push through that. You can prioritize other things above food and still be effective. Water is the gateway. Like you can't do anything until you have water. So just get it out of the equation. It's not interesting to watch people struggle to to boil water. I agree. Just for like perspective's sake, though, I ran eight miles on Saturday, and my watch says I burned fourteen hundred calories. Yeah, these people are eating that in about a week. Yeah, I mean they're also not running eight miles, but correct. Yeah. Yeah. Now try to do that and don't drink water for two days. That's a problem. Yeah. No, I need water. Like, if I'm going on a run, I load up on water first and then immediately get water after I'm done. Yes. Like, you have to. Anyway, we're, we're talking about the, the coupling, and Jen kind of lays into Greg a little bit. She's like, you're kind of standoffish. Hey, hey. Hey, Greg, why are you focusing so much on the game? Yeah. Jen, you should do! Yeah. That's what made Boston Rob and Amber such a good couple on the show. They were both super into the game. They were both super into the game. They weren't... Like, I I do fully believe that at least Amber would have backstabbed Rob to win a million dollars. 100%. She didn't have to, but... She didn't have to, and it probably wouldn't have been until, like... I mean, she obviously could have done it early. Even later in the game, I think she... She might have had like a back seven, and like an afterwards, like, hey, but I really like you. Can we date? And also a millionaire now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, Jen, romance shouldn't be the first objective. On Survivor? No. No. Yes, on Survivor. No, absolutely not. So this whole conversation for me is stupid. It's it's pretty stupid. And it's a little bit infuriating from someone who's watching from the outside. Yeah. And especially from their tribe where you're like, why are you making that the priority when you really haven't had to play the game yet? Well, and that is the one credit I will give Jen is mm-hmm. like they're on what day 18, something like that, something like 19, that. and they just sent they've sent one person home. So like all game theory for over 2 weeks of the show that goes on for 4 weeks has been hypothetical. There is only so long you can play with hypotheticals before it's like, stop brooding over it. We'll figure it out when we get there. <laughs> that is the one credit I will give Jen. We'll get there when we get there. Kinda. Yeah. Hey, we're dismantling these people. Let's just enjoy it. Yeah. But as we've talked about in multiple other episodes, everyone else on Karor is watching this. Yeah. Watching them couple up and not... <laughs> and they're super obvious about it. Like... This could be a problem. And Tom's like, you know, we're keeping an eye on the situation. But again, there's nothing There's nothing actionable anybody on Karor can do with good reason. They could throw a challenge. It's happened before. I don't think you should ever throw a challenge. I agree. 100%. Anyway. Especially not when you've won. At this point, go for the fucking record. Go for the sweep. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of challenges, we have a slide puzzle. But it's a slide puzzle in the water. Do you think... This was ever... I, I, I can't figure out. This challenge just feels weird. I mean, maybe it's just supposed to have more people. So that's why it takes an hour and a half. Yes. But, I. This is the one challenge that stuck out to me that 
it needed more people. It makes and they me didn't wonder. Plan on it. it, right? It makes me wonder if they they had to like <laughs> move challenges around all that because there's probably challenges that they just could not do with only three people on a team. Probably you had to have a con- uh, contingency plan at some point. <sighs> Man, <laughs> but it is nice that they gave them a mini puzzle. Yeah. So since they were had to do it in water and move things around, they gave them a puzzle to practice, and it. Did not seem like Oolong did a very good job practicing. Shocking. Oolong not doing a very good job? What? Or I shouldn't say that. I should say they picked a bad person to be their caller. Yeah. So do you want to talk about anything before we get to the actual challenge? Like, of the, there wasn't really much in the pre-challenge, right? No, I okay. think... Why? So it is a full, what, 45 minutes that Bobby Johns is the caller? Mm-hmm. Why did we let it go on that long? <laughs> I think it's because the challenge moved so slowly and they needed some time to figure out that we're not getting anywhere. Cause with those slide puzzles, it's so easy when it's right in front of you to just like slide everything around. Yeah. But Jeff is basically saying like, Hey, Karor's making a bunch of progress. Wow. I don't think Oolong's made any progress at all. No, he, he lays into them through most of the challenge. Oh, wait, I did want to say one thing, actually. I, I found my notes from pre-challenge, just like them talking, where uh, Bobby John brings up unprompted, like, yeah, I'm afraid of sharks. And then they jump over to Kroor, and Tom's like, I killed a shark. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is also the thing where the setup of, hey, how's the fishing going for you, Oolong? Oh, yeah, we caught a fish. We got a clam. Like, things are good. I'm just afraid of sharks. Well, Karor, what about you? I would quit. If I, if, if at this point in the show, and I'm being facetious, I don't think I'd actually quit. But like, well, Jeff would hate you forever. Well, true. I don't fucking care. <laughs> I, if I was like, God, yeah, we caught this clam, but I'm so afraid of sharks. And the other tribe said, Yeah, our, this guy killed a shark. I'd just be like, Okay, I'm out. I'm out. You're lapping me. What are we doing here anymore? We eat sharks for breakfast. Literally! Yeah. Also, I, I wonder why Jeff lost his voice. It happens sometimes. Okay. Like, when Jeff is pushing too hard, and you can kind of tell when Jeff is pushing too hard, he'll lose his voice for a day or two. Gotcha. It's really funny. I he, I feel bad, because I would do the same thing. He hates Oolong so much. He does. He really just fucking hates these people. They should have switched so much sooner. Yes. And but why, Stephanie, Stephanie is a leader, mm-hmm. but Stephanie refuses to lead. In tribal council, though, Steph admits that she didn't do any better than Bobby John did. I don't think that's true. Okay, tell me why. Well, first of all, she has to kind of fluff Bobby John's ego. Yes. Oh, so you're saying it's it's all a smoke and mirrors situation. Yeah, and also I think just being a gracious competitor, she's an athlete, she, it's a team she's like it's the team it's the team game but i think like what she she calls half the challenge it looked to me like they made significant progress in those 45 minutes mm-hmm. and the show tries to make us believe that it's close at the end which is ridiculous <laughs> i i don't know if they would have won but i she did a way better job than bobby john well did you catch on to why they were failing uh, no, actually. So Bobby John says his strategy out loud, and his strategy was to get the corners. That's a bad strategy. It is inherently a strategy that will not finish that puzzle. No. Like, 
do you know how slide puzzles work? No, I'm an idiot. So, <laughs> so depend- I'd just be fucking oonga boonging that thing. Depending on where your open square is, you need to finish the section with the open square. Treat it like it's in layers. You have to finish your top layer, assuming that your open square is in the bottom. You have to finish your top layer, your next layer, and then arrange, if it's uh, a 4x4, four four, arrange the other pieces into a situation where you can just rotate them. I hope our listeners got something from that. Because I, I didn't. Okay. I'm, my spatial reasoning skills are so bad. I feel like I was min-maxed by God. <laughs> We're like... There are things that I do that I, I think I'm pretty good at. And then there's things I just have no ability to do whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I cannot draw. Mm-hmm. And pe- I hear that people are like, well, you just got to like practice tracing all that. I did when I was a kid. I can't conceptualize what it's supposed to look like. I can't conceptualize what the next step is. I have no visual like I, like visual placement skills like Rubik's Cubes. Can't do it. Slide puzzles. Can't do it. And learning new languages. Cannot do it. I mean, I probably could with that one if I sat down long enough. Yeah. But I, you might as well have been speaking gibberish <laughs> to me during that slide puzzle explanation. Jared, I kind of want to do a slide puzzle after this episode is done. You have fun with that. Oh, you and me. No. Both together. Nope. Okay. Why would I embarrass myself? <laughs> well, it'd be a fun experiment, a social experiment. I, is it an experiment if you know how it ends? Yes. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the only fun thing from Karor is that Janu is struggling to swim through this. I don't know why we picked Janu to do this. Uh, we didn't have to. I, well, she didn't do the last challenge. Sure, but doesn't mean you have to do this one. But you don't know what the next one's going to be. Fair. So, but put her in this one because it's it's not... This is the least physical immunity challenge of the entire season. Yes, well... Yes. So put her in this one. Tom didn't do either. Yeah. Tom didn't do either challenge because we have Janu, Jen, and Kobe as the caller. Yes. You can't sit out three challenges in a row. <laughs> that means Tom will have to do the next challenge, which is good because that one could be very physical. Yeah. Well, next one might be a reward, though. Well, yeah, but then he can do the next one after that. because, yeah. <laughs> And then we probably merge. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. And after an hour and 15 minutes, Karor wins. That's a long time to be Hour swimming. 15. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's brutal. And I feel bad for Janu because I, I don't know if I could be swimming that long. I mean, it seems like they could hold on to the outside border. They probably took some rests. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of swimming. Yeah. And then we get into the section I like to call Steph fights for her life. <laughs> yes. Because she goes up to... Bobby John is like, hey, so our deal's still intact, right? Like, we're good. And Bobby John is like, well, I got to weigh my options here. Worst answer you can give. <laughs> what? Not only are they bad at the challenges, but Bobby John also appears to be bad at Survivor. He votes James out out of spite and now can't hold to a deal. And hasn't made an alliance, or he made, he made one alliance on day like 17 or something ridiculous. Was he just pressured into an alliance and now he doesn't know what to do about it? Even if that's the case, what you do about it is shut up and make your decision in private. Correct. Yeah. Regardless if you take Ibrahim or you take Steph. Somehow you're decide you are the deciding vote in a three person tribe where neither of them will be on the jury. Mm-hmm. You can just get ri- you can just lie. 
You there are take whoever you want. No consequences. Yeah. So <laughs> Steph sees that and is like, I am going to pitch to Eve. Like, hey, he has a lot of power. He doesn't necessarily need to have all this power. We could go, just the two of us. And Eve's like, nah. All, second worst answer you can get. <laughs> Uh, I again, if you're God, they're so bad at this game. Ibrahim, say you can just say yes, and then you can vote for Stephanie anyway. And then guess what? Stephanie just set herself on fire because mm-hmm. either mm-hmm. Stephanie's going home because Bobby John votes for her, or it's three votes on three different people, and then Bobby John just changes his vote to be Steph, yep. and you fucking get her. Yep. And I shouldn't say he said nah. He he was wishy-washy too. He ba- no, he basically said no. The whole situation was wishy-washy and everyone knew what was happening and then suddenly we didn't know what was happening. I think, for me personally, I think Bobby John was peer pressured by Stephanie to follow through with the alliance. I, I mean, also, it's the smarter play. Like, who do you think's going to help you more in a two-person alliance also known as the remainder of your tribe, if you do end up merging, Steph or Ibrahim? Probably Steph. Depends on how you look at it. I think Steph could be a better alliance for, like, strategy-wise. Yes. I think Eve is a better shield. Really? Yes. Hmm. I think people look at Eve and would be like, we need to get rid of him. He is, he is a threat. Even yeah. if he hasn't shown that. I guess. I think it's been... I think it just really is, like... The only reason this is hard for Bobby John is personal. Yes. Because he likes them both. He does. And that's what the whole tribal council is about, yeah. is that, like, we all like each other. This sucks. I don't want to do this. Yeah. But we got to do it. <laughs> it is funny at tribal council how Jeff immediately apologizes for his voice. So, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't, have, I don't have much voice. I was chain smoking in the back. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> Yeah, and then they, they talk us through the challenge, and Bobby John was like, yeah, we we all decided that I was the caller, and like I said before, Steph was like, and neither of us had it. We're, I couldn't do it either. You know what pissed me off what? in this tribal? Ibrahim being like, yeah, this is really hard. We all deserve to be here. What gave you that impression, Ibrahim? What gave you that impression that losing nine immunity challenges in a row... <laughs> gives you or eight or whatever the fuck it is seven i don't know gives you the like that you deserve to be here i don't think any of you deserve to be here at this point it's wild because they have played an entire game of survivor yeah like they have seen enough votes that they should be in a final tribal council and they kind of are this is the final three but only for their tribe yeah so in a way i see it like, they deserved to... They fought and they clawed their way here. They didn't make alliances in a good way, but... They didn't make alliances at all. They got there. They survived. You know what? You know what? This season reminds me of a little bit. What? A little bit of Thailand. In a, not in a bad way. Because I know that season is tainted, both in the fan base and from me. Yeah. But you have the tr- the physically dominant tribe that can't do anything right that ends up being a lot of jobbers because they all just fucking go home right at the beginning <laughs> of the season versus the tribe that was picked because they mesh well and they have good personalities. And also, like just like Thailand, we did a schoolyard pick. We did. A little kind different. Of. Yeah, it wasn't like one person picking it. It was back and forth. But add 
those parallels aren't lost on me. I don't think it prescribes anything going forward. But remember, if you're on Survivor, work smarter, not harder. I agree. We get into a moment where we're just kind of pitching why. Why these people? If this is a final three, why would you take this person? Why Why would you not take Steph? Like, what about Steph would be problematic? And I think Bobby John was like, she's a threat. He's awful at this. <laughs> it was weird how this was asked because we only get that from Steph. Like... It should be, why would you take them, not why yeah. wouldn't you? So, like, I'll give Bobby John the credit there. It's not a great question. He's still pretty bad at it. Well, and then we ask Ebe, why should you be here? And he's like, well, I'm I'm loyal, and I think that's a good enough reason to keep me around, is that we're going to work together and, and get this through. No, it's not. At this point, there will only be two of you left. Loyalty is a foregone conclusion. <laughs> and the, this whole episode, I think the thing that gets me the most is that Bobby John has this this like seeping thought in the back of his mind that why me why do I have this power why do I get to stay and they have to leave it's like this weird complex of I know I should fall on the sword for them no I'm the victim no I need to be going home I I'm no better than them yeah, it is kind of odd. This it, whole tribal's odd. This whole tribe's odd. I mean, yeah. All two of them. All two of them. <laughs> and then finally, Steph's like, you know what? I'm voting for what I think is the best strategy for me, which is the biggest no answer, but like, yeah, is the truth. And she's like, I'm feeling 90% vulnerable right now. I think I'm going home. Yeah, I can see why you feel that way. And then we vote. And then she's not going home. Yeah. Ibrahim is going home. <sighs> Did you think that was going to be that way? Yes. Really? Yeah. Just from uh, episode structure? From episode structure, also, like, I don't know. If you're, if there is another immunity challenge, if they don't merge here, you can't, you have to keep Stephanie. She's, she, she's good at this. Mm. You keep putting her in positions where she's, like not she either can't do enough or isn't in the right role to win a challenge but she's actually really good at them yeah oh my god it's (laughs) such a mess it's such a disaster also i like i don't know steph needs somebody stephanie's an amber steph needs somebody that's a little that's just better at strategy man Mm -hmm. how do you think ibrahim does in future survivor (laughs) i mean he (laughs) Uh, it's weird to talk about like what is better and worse because like being the final three on your tribe, wow, that's usually pretty far in the game. It's not here, not so much here. I I, I don't feel like he's barring these whack circumstances ever really that much of a target before the merge. He again, you like you said, people will perceive him as a threat even if he is mediocre because the dude is built like a brick shit house. <laughs> dude ripped. That's also does not help him once he gets past the merge. Correct. So, barring him saying or doing something heinous, I don't see I don't see how you'd ever get rid of him pre-merge, but I don't really see him making it to the final five. I feel like his usual window in a norm in a in a different season is pretty narrow. Yeah, I think he was so calm, cool, and collected throughout this whole process that he wasn't on any anyone's shit list. No. Like he didn't rub anyone the wrong way. 
he just I don't think he made big moves. He didn't make any moves. He was just likable. Yeah, he was fine. Yeah. Which is weird because he actually, he got the the edit and kind of has the personality of usually the small young girl on the tribe. Like the Nalia edits. I'm going to need you to explain that. uh, The person that's, that doesn't get a lot of screen time or hell, I mean, kind of like um, Jen on, on Oolong. Mm -hmm. Like, not a whole lot of screen time, not really making a lot of impact, not uh, kind of like going along with the people around them. And everyone seems to kind of like them. That's, that's kind of the, the role that editing shows us for the people like Nalia in Marquesas or Elizabeth in Australia or um, Julie in Vanuatu. And yet is a large man built like a brick shit house. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I there's not a whole lot of information about him out there. It's really interesting though that he is the first and uh, the first contestant of Muslim faith, yes, to compete in Survivor, and will be the only one for a long time. I know that uh, so I've seen forty three. Uh huh. Is there another one before forty three? Yeah. Okay. Forty two. Fuck. <laughs> really? Yeah. There's two of them on 42, and that's upsetting. Holy shit. That's that's wild to me because there's not... First of all, it's not like Ibrahim is, is subtle in his faith. We have a whole segment that I praise Survivor for on, like, how he prays, and he has the... He has the uh, an Islamic tattoo on his arm. Like, he is not subtle about his faith. And it didn't cause any issues that we saw on the show. Like, I I don't know. Maybe audiences at the time didn't like it. Maybe it stirred up some controversy. I don't know. But it doesn't really, from a, a modern lens looking back, doesn't seem like it did. At least, you know, he wasn't given an edit that made him, that made it seem like there was any reason why him being of Muslim faith was a problem. Mm-hmm. And yet, then they take... 15 full years, 16 full years to cast somebody else of that same faith. That's wild to it's, me. It's bad. Wow. Yeah. Post pandemic. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh boy. Okay. Well, that's upsetting. Oh, sorry. I may have, I may have sold survivor dirty on this one. There is one. Oh, well, not much. 37. That's not much better. David versus Goliath. Oh, okay. Is the next one. The only other season I've seen. Bef- yeah. The only season I've seen before 40. Okay. Well, and your protagonist. Uh, Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah. Drax. Yup. Even though she's not the one who made the decision, she's the only one with any type of initiative on her tribe left, since there's only two of them, and really, except for Angie, probably the entire season. I have a thought before we end the episode. I know we're over, but there's someone in my brain that this whole thing, like we're whittling our way through Oolong. Yes. But from Karor's perspective, we're getting one person's view of Karor. Like the storyteller of Karor. Colby? It's Kobe. Yeah. And we're seeing Kobe 
Or maybe that's just we, it. He's the best storyteller, so he we see it through his perspective. Or he's the only one thinking about strategy. That could be because we get other we we know other things from the camp of like we get Ian's perspective on Tom getting the shark. We get mm. we get the three goon squad going out and hunting the poisonous snakes. Like we get slice of life adventures, but Kobe and to a lesser extent Greg are the only ones we see talk strategy. But Kobe is almost, he's practically narrating At, this after, season After that Karor. episode, yes, he is. Yeah. Okay. Bumper. That'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. Jared. That's me. That is you. Anything you'd like to promote? Uh, I would like to promote getting tattoos. I think oh. it's fun. I got a new tattoo. You did. Over the weekend. I like it a lot. I told you this before we recorded. Jared always says, uh, let the intrusive thought win. Correct. Boy, I wanted to slap your tattoo. I would have let you. I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to hurt you, but part of me, like, just the idea of doing it sounds fun. Hurt me, daddy. Oh. Uh, there's a funny story. <laughs> I hated saying that. Um, there's a story I have from, so I've, I have uh, a tattoo on my forearm. Uh, it, I got it done in two parts because it wraps around my entire forearm. Um but when I was doing uh, Shakespeare in schools, we were doing Mackers. And I, maybe I've told the story in the podcast before, but oh well. Uh, and it was it was fresh. I'd only had it for like a couple of days. And the way that we did the handshake in Mackers, like when we were greeting people, was the forearm like grab. Where you like grab at each other's like elbows. Uh. <laughs> uh, or like on the forearm. I see where this and is I going. I thought I told everyone, but I forgot to tell the guy who played Mac, who also takes his role very seriously. And so he he has to come up and, and say, you know, and, like, congratulate me because I'm playing Malcolm. Um, and he comes up and just whap. And I go, <gasps> and I'm just like, well met. <laughs> well met, good sir. You're the only one I didn't tell. Oh, geez. What about you, Steven? I actually have something. Jared mm-hmm. and audience out there, have you ever heard of a show named... Whose line is it anyway? Uh, no. Oh, okay. It's an improv show with. Tim- I, I have heard of that. I, I know you. I know you know that, but I need the audiences to know yeah, that. I'm. I'm expl- it's an improv show that's been running for decades at this point, and I went back and I wa- we watched it. Uh, my spouse and I would we watched uh, a a good chunk of it, and I always used to watch it growing up. And part of me, when I started rewatching it, was like, oh, you know what? It'd be kind of fun to, to like chart this. Because they give away points after every game to oh. chart how many points people earned over their career of whose line is it anyway. Obviously, I didn't do it because that would be an undertaking. Yeah, that's insane. However, the film theory people did. Those, they're, they're insane. Yeah. And also, the guy who runs it is weaving his way down, like he's he's retiring. So yeah. this was like he, he says it in the episode. This was his white whale. Go watch this YouTube video. It's they just decide who actually won. Whose line is it anyway? And it's wow. very entertaining. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I also want to say I, I know we uh, I already plugged something, but we plugged them before, so I want to bring it up again. Uh, Game Changers is back on Dropout. It's so damn good. I highly recommend if you are not subscribed to Dropout, uh, just email Steven for his password. Don't. Um, no, subscribe <laughs> to Dropout. 
it, uh, they're just incredible. I until proven otherwise, like Sam is the exception that proves the rule to like why most rich billionaires or bastards or millionaires or whatever he is his family has a lot of money i don't think he's a billionaire i don't think he is but i would not be surprised if his dad is i don't think he's a billionaire either i wouldn't be surprised if he had like a multi-million situation yeah. either way like that ceos are bastards he it's, is the exception that proves the rule he is doing by all accounts a an amazing job over there and showing what sustainable entertainment can and should look like and that comes not just from us watching but like even the most recent game changers episodes like it is so obvious that the people that are on the show have nothing but good things to say about him and i've even heard it he, uh somebody on dropout uh guest started on a podcast i like and they plug dropout obviously mm-hmm. and we're like i was talking to sam the other day he's like and i've worked in the entertainment industry a long time the fact that i am talking with the head of the company casually is something that is insane and it like does not happen <laughs> so it's yeah other than brendan lee mulligan uh in-game calling him a bastard and like hating him oh yeah that's for funsies yeah i mean that's uh the whole the whole concept of this first episode of season six is that the winner is the person who gets second place in these challenges it's it's, and that's so funny to me sam makes an episode of season that's just to torture brennan lee mullen personally that's this episode yeah (laughs) for my co-host jared this is steven for my host steven this is jared goodbye goodbye we did it